If you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to the book of Psalms, the 40th chapter. And while you're going there, I want to uh, tell you what we're going to be speaking on today. So turn around and look at your neighbor and say this with me. Keep singing. Keep singing. How many of you have ever had a song minister to you? Amen. How many of you have ever caught yourself just going through the house singing? And how many of you, when you sing, it ministers to others? And here's the truth. It doesn't matter to me whether my song ministers to you or not. I'm going to keep on singing. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to keep on singing because I'm not, I'm not singing to you anyway. I'm singing to him. And the, the, the thing I love about God is God understands every language in the world. He created it so he's able to interpret my singing. And in and, and God's ears, it sounds wonderful. Amen. Amen. So we're going to, I, I think it's important that we recognize the importance of a song. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word and your love. We just ask that you'd have your way in the service today. And we'll give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I've learned that there are times in life that a song can come at just the right moment. Any of you ever been there where all of a sudden, I mean, you may, you may be struggling with something and, and you hear a song and that song, man, just lifts you up. I mean, just pick you up. I've learned that all songs don't necessarily pick you up. So if, if, if you know, if, if what you're listening to isn't picking you up, you might ought to think about changing channels. I mean, if you're listening to about a tear and a beer in a bar, there's a good chance that's not really going to minister to you. And if you're, you know, and, and there are some songs, and I don't misunderstand, there are some songs that, that are, are, I mean, are just fun to sing, right? You know, and, 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 and there's nothing wrong. I mean, I, I remember that song, Me and You in a Dog Named Boo. I guess I left some of you in another century. But, you know, and then there are some songs that, that can be really, really annoying. 99 bottles of milk on the wall. Man, I'm telling you, I was on a bus ride as a kid one time, and they started in on that, and I thought, I'm going to get up and break every bottle that's on that wall here in a minute. It's getting on my nerves. <clears throat> songs. Songs are something that are unique and they're a gift from God to us because I've watched a song minister to people in a way that a message never could because it seems like it captures their heart and somehow God speaks to them in that moment. I was traveling down the road years ago and just, you know, and I was praying. I said, God, I just really need something. And I flipped on the radio, and when I flipped on the radio, there was a guy, I guess this song had just come out, and the song said, take my hand, let's agree together that all of our enemies will crumble at our feet, for whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and at the name of Jesus, Satan has to flee. And then they started singing, we've got the power 
in the name of Jesus. And man, I'm telling you, my whole spirit changed. I, I went from feeling beat up to feeling like I'd like to beat up the devil, you know. And so a song can change things. And God sometimes will give you a song. How many of you have ever just, I mean, just started singing something? You know what I mean? And it, it may not even make sense to you, you know. I, me and my granddaughter, a lot of times we'll go down the road and I'll just start singing to her and making it up as I go along. And she, she will chime right in with me and start singing and making it up as we go along. And we're just, and I'm thinking, you know, I probably ought to record this. I might have a hit here. But, some, but I'm saying it's just, there's something unique about a song. I remember years ago, there was a lady in our church and her husband was an alcoholic and she had been struggling and, you know, trying to uh, trust God, but it, it, she just, it, it, things hadn't just been going good for her. And when uh, her husband ended up getting a job where I worked at, and I remember one afternoon he was leaving the plant and I was running the machines. He worked days and I was on second and I was running my machines. And I saw him, I turned around and I saw him and he was just in a hurry like he was leaving the plant. And all of a sudden right there in that factory, I had to grab a pen and started writing because these words started coming to me. And it said, now, when the road you're walking seems like it's all uphill, and the loved one that you've been praying for don't even seem to care. And when you're brokenhearted and feel no need to try, just take your net up out of the water and cast it on the other side. Don't give up just because you feel like you're walking all alone and everything that you try to do just seems to turn out wrong. Don't give up when the devil comes trying to tempt you in every way. Just lift your head up to the sky because he's coming back someday. And I had that, and, and man, that got delivered to me, but I thought, now what do I do with this? I, 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 don't, I can't sing. And I, I, took, I had a songbird that lived with me. I called her Debbie. And uh, so I took that, those words to Debbie, and Debbie began to get a lyric, or began to get music with it and put a rhythm with it. And we were able to take that and uh, sing that at church. And that woman, well, I, I shared how that song came, and that woman, it touched her heart. It apprehended her heart. And years later, we ended up recording it, and there was another lady that came and asked for the words of that song. And she said, that song has ministered to me. You never know that when God gives you something, oftentimes it's not just for you, but it's for those that are around you. Everybody say, just keep on singing. I remember walking, I remember coming out of a, a uh, gas station and there were two men I, I walked through the parking lot to get to my car and I saw two men sitting in their pickup truck and they bought lottery tickets and they were in there scratching off those lottery tickets and I looked through there and I saw the look on their face and I could tell they didn't win because they threw that thing down in the floorboard and so and I I got to the car and when I got to the car I had to find a pen <laughs> And, and, it, and, and it started again. Two men sitting in a pickup truck, both scratching off their cards. I'm going to win the lottery no matter how great the odds. And once again in disappointment, they threw those cards away. That's when I looked at them and said, I'll be a rich man someday. Yes, I'll be a rich man. You just wait and see. I'm going to be a rich man walking on a crystal sea. Silver and gold have I none, I heard old Peter say. But such as I have, you can have too and be a rich man someday. And I'm telling you that, that we, we, we recorded that. 
and, and that song began to minister to people. You, you need to understand that God gives you a song for a reason. And the truth is, when I was, I, I was in my office yesterday and I was studying this message, I hadn't thought about these songs in years. It's been probably 30 years since we recorded those songs. 30, 30 years, man. I'll tell you how long ago it was. I think they came out on a cassette tape when they first came out. That's how long ago it's been. And I, I thought about that, and all of those, those songs started coming back to me. And I thought, you know what? We need to keep singing. We need to, what God puts in your heart uh, could be the very victory that, or the thing you need to obtain your victory. So keep singing. Turn around and look at your neighbor and say, keep singing. You know, it amazes me because when you're out in the world, you never had any trouble singing, right? I had 60-something Elvis Presley albums. Son, I had blue suede shoes, and I could beat a hound dog like you ain't never seen. I used to practice my moves in a mirror. I never knew when E was going to call me. <laughs> of course, he didn't. I used to think about, I don't know why I'm telling this, but any of you ever take a carrot and use it as a microphone? I'm telling you, I, and I'd sing. Man, I probably annoyed my whole family, but I didn't care. because I was. But what I'm saying is none of those songs changed anything. None of those songs did anything for me. But one day, I got a new song, and that's what I want to talk to you about today. Turn around, look at your neighbor, and say, I got a new song, and I'm going to keep on singing. So look at Psalms chapter 40, and starting with verse 1. Let me, I'm going to read this through. I'm going to, the first three verses I want to read through, then I want to come back and visit it, okay? I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He also brought me out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. Now let's go back and look at this. He says, I will wait patiently. Everybody say patiently. How many of you ever waited before? Patiently. I used to wait patiently for my wife out in the car. She stepped out, that ain't helping. She'd get in the car and she'd say, you know when you do that, that just makes me go slower. And I said, honey, I said, I'm doing what geese do. I was encouraging you. Geese, geese honk at one another. You know, it's that, if you ever study geese, the honking is to encourage the person that's in the lead. I was encouraging the person that was behind. And so, the, you know, waiting. But the word wait there in Hebrew means expectantly. How many of you have ever waited expectantly? Everybody go, I'm dreaming of a... We'll work on that, but... <laughs> what, what, what's the point of that? The point is at Christmas time, I always used to wait expectantly. Not, not just patiently, but expectantly because I knew there was something under that tree for me. 
and I was expecting it. Now, I had some brothers and sisters that didn't wait expectantly. They waited nosily. They'd tear the paper to look and see what was in it. My, my father and mother bought me a pinball machine one year. It was, it was uh, I, I mean, the box was great big box, you know. It wasn't, I mean, it wasn't like one of these things you see in the mall, but it was, you know, it was a plastic pinball machine, and it stood up, and, and I didn't know, I had no clue what was in that box. It was huge, but my oldest brother knew what was in that box, and he was dying to tell me. He'd come up to me, hey, Rick, you want to know what's in that box? I said, no, I don't. Don't talk to me. Don't, don't tell me. Um, and, and he, nothing doing, he was going to try and tell me what was in that box. I'm telling you, once you know, it takes away the excitement of the day. And sometimes we need to learn how to wait expectantly for God and quit trying to tear the paper and peek into what he's doing and just trust that he knows what's best for you and he's got something, in, in, something good in store for for you and wait everybody say wait wait how many of you ever man I'll never forget I cooked a lobster one time first and last time I ever cooked a lobster I felt so sorry for that thing I thought he gave his life in vain because I didn't know how to cook it I put it in, and I thought, okay, I've got it, and it was boiling, you know, and I, I, don't worry, I didn't cook him alive. And, and I, I, I put him in there, and that may have been what the problem was. But I, I put him in there, and when I put him in there, I, I waited, you know, and I was, okay, it's supposed to be so many minutes here. I'm waiting. I pop the thing out, and, you know, and I'm thinking, I thought, ooh, this is going to be good. That's the nastiest thing I ever put in my mouth, man. I thought, I hope I didn't just poison myself. And, and so it's because I didn't know how to prepare it. I got a little anxious in the preparation, and I didn't wait long enough, and I pulled it out before it was ready. We keep praying, God, have your way in my life, and then we get upset when he's making us wait a little bit because we're not done yet. He, he's not done working on us yet. He's not finished with us yet. There's still some simmering we need to do. You cut a steak, I mean when you cut a steak, when you cook a steak, you're supposed to let it what before you eat it? Rest. Not at my house. Stick that fork in that pan. You don't have to worry about serving me. Kind of tough, ain't it? Because you didn't let it rest. And life gets tough when you don't learn how to rest in the presence of God and let him do what he wants to do. Everybody say, let it rest. So he says, David makes a statement that I waited patiently. I waited expectantly for the Lord and he inclined to me. Everybody say inclined. Do you know what the word inclined means there? Inclined. To stretch forth. You almost kissed me, didn't you? <laughs> she can't help it, folks. No, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> See, it, it means to stretch 
forth. So here's what David is saying. David's saying, look, I was waiting expectantly. And he, and, and because I was, because I was, ooh, I, I didn't even bring this up in the first service. Because I was waiting expectantly. Because I was trusting God. Because I wasn't griping to God. Because I wasn't complaining to God. But I was waiting expectantly. God stretched. He, he inclined to me. He stretched toward me to hear my cry. He lent an ear to me. He let me know he was in the midst with me. How many of you need God to stretch forth to you? You want to know that he's there. He, well, all you got to do is wait patiently. Let God know that you believe him, that you trust him, and you know he's going to show up. He inclined to me and he heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit. The word horrible in Hebrew means an uproar or noise. The word pit, a hole or prison. How many of you have ever been in a horrible pit before? You know what I'm talking about? So much chaos in your life, so much noise around you that you can't hear God. You feel like you're in a hole and the hole keeps getting deeper and deeper. It's like quicksand. The more you struggle with it, the faster you go down and the harder it is to break free. He said he, he picked me up out of a horrible pit. He, he reached into my life and he saved me from the mess I was in. He, he brought me out of the what? The miry clay. The word miry there means mud. Everybody say mud. How many, how many of you know what mud is? You know what I'm talking about? Alex and Jasmine know what mud is. That's where they fell in love with each other in a mud pile. Mud. <laughs> Debbie took him on a broadcast and they in that mud playing. They, they, they're in there and he's trying to keep her up out of the mud. And, and, and they're getting stuck in the mud. And all of a sudden that mud, that, that mud, he brought them out of the miry clay. And the word clay there means a sticky calamity. That's what it means. How many of you have ever found yourself in a mess that was just sticky? A situation, a circumstance that you were trying to, like flypaper, you get it off one hand and it's stuck to the other and you can't... <laughs> I never forget, you know, we had birds out here, you know, that were flying in underneath these awnings. How many of you knew that? Because I did. Because I was up there with something called Bird Be Gone. Came in a tube of caulking, and I was, and I thought, I wonder how this works. I found out. I got that stuff all over me, man. It was on my arms. It was like, what is this? And it started burning a little bit. And I thought, oh my goodness, it's giving those birds hot feet. And I'm, 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 and the more I tried to get it off, the more I got it on me. And I thought, man, I am in a sticky mess, a sticky calamity. And David said, that's what he brought me out of. He brought me out of, uh, uh, I was sunk down in the mud and it was a sticky mess I was in a situation that I could not get myself out of and he came along to rescue me years ago we were doing a mission trip in Trinidad and on that mission trip I had a, a young man with me named Pat 
Now, Pat was a good-sized boy. He, he, he weighed, he weighed over, I'm sure he weighed over 400 pounds. He was a good-sized fella. He meets me at the Chicago airport, and this is what he said to me. He said, Rick, I'm just trusting God on this trip. And I was thinking, well, I'm trusting God too. And he looked at me and he said, I didn't even bring my nitro. And I went, what? <laughs> he said, no, he said, I, I, I left my nitro at home. I'm not even trusting it. I, I broke away from Pat so I could go have a prayer meeting. Oh, God, don't let this guy die on me in the jungles. I'm, I'm serious, man. I'm praying. He had me, man. I'm sweating bullets. And, I'm thinking, and Pat, we're in, a, we're in the bush building this church. And this, to, to let you understand what I mean by bush, I'm talking about there's no electricity in this place. And they killed an 18-foot anaconda on the job site a week before I got there. That's, that's what I mean when I say bush. So we're in the bush. We bring in concrete. You know, we're, we're doing all this, and we're, getting, we're pouring the, sla the, the slab for the concrete. We got trucks lined up. I'm running out of daylight. We have to try and run and find generators. We crank up generators, and bugs came from all over to find out what was lit up in the bush. They never seen a light bulb in their life. And I'm in there underneath that light, you know, we're trying to finish this concrete. Man, it gets to the point, I had some hair back then. It got to the point that I am raking hair out of my, uh, or with my hands out of my head. They're all over my face. I'm wiping them out of my mouth and I step back up into the dark thinking, man, I need to get away from these bugs. Then I got to thinking about that 18 foot anaconda. And I just slipped right back down there where those bugs were because I felt like, well, I can swat you, and I'm not sure if I can swat that snake. I'm saying all that to say this. Where we were at was mud, man. It was, there, there was clay. We, we went in there and took shovels, and I hit that stuff one time, and I thought, God, this will kill me. And I, I, I started praying. I said, God, we, I can't do this by shovel. This will, my back will be out and we found a backhoe and came in there. But in the process, Pat, in the process of building this, Pat was walking around and we got some rain and it turned it into a sticky mess. And Pat's walking around and Pat stepped into a soft spot and Pat's leg went down about up to his knee in that muck, that miry clay. And he could not get himself out. And the rest of the guys that were on the trip with me are standing there laughing. <laughs> hey, Pat. Pat's going, it ain't funny. It ain't funny. And he can't get out. Where were you at, Pastor Rick? I'm telling the story. And so he can't get out. And all, we got a young man there, and his name was Frog. And Frog went over, and he said, come here, Pat. And Frog got underneath him, and he goes like this. Let me, let me borrow you, Daryl. Come here. So don't lean on me too hard. What do you mean? Okay. So he's, Pat's stuck. Frog gets up underneath him, and he goes like this, and he says, just put your weight on me. He said, lift your foot when I lift you. And Frog literally lifts him and gets him up out of that mess. Thank you. Gets him up out of that mess. And when he gets out of that mess, he's, he, he's covered with mud, but he's walking, and it created a bond between Pat and Frog. What's your point? I'm telling you that we were in a mess in a miry, stinking, sticky 
mess that we could not get ourselves out of. And Jesus saw our condition, came to where we were, and said, put your arm around me. Hang, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And I, what I'm going to give you, I'm going to lift you up out of this miry clay. That's what David's talking about. He's saying, he brought me up out of that miry clay, and he set my feet on a rock to stay. He put a new song in my mouth today, a song of praise. Hallelujah. No wonder he was singing. No wonder he was happy because what no one else could do for him, God reached up and picked him up and set him on solid ground. And he begins to talk about that and he said he put a new song in my mouth and listen listen to what he says concerning this because this really hit me he said he put a new song in my mouth praise to our God many will see it in fear and will trust in the Lord say it with me many will see it in fear why do you understand what it must do to the devil when he's got you in his grip when you're in that miry clay and you're in that mess and he feels like I've got him right where I want him and he's never going to get out and all of a sudden here comes Jesus to lift us up out of that mess don't you know it makes the devil afraid don't you know it causes him to tremble the devils know that there's one Lord and they fear and tremble hear me today I'm his son I belong to him I've been bought with a price he hasn't left me or forsaken me he's picking me up he's getting me out of the mess he's setting my feet on a solid rock he's changing things for me he said many will see it in fear when your enemy gives his best shot and he sees you singing <laughs> Paul and Silas have been beaten locked up you, you hear what I'm saying? I'm not saying they had a headache so they didn't make it to church that day. I'm not saying they had other plans so they didn't show up. I'm saying they were beaten for preaching the gospel. Beaten. God help us, man. If it rains, we can't make it. They were beaten and locked up in prison and in prison, in a pit, in a calamity, in a hole in the ground, Paul wakes up, starts wiping a bruised face and a bloody mouth, straightens himself up and starts singing. I don't know exactly what they were singing. Maybe they were singing like a bird out of prison that's taken its flight like a blind man that God gave back his sight like a poor wretched beggar probably not because that hadn't been written yet but they were singing something everybody say they were singing Silas wakes up and here's Paul singing Silas is thinking man is this guy out of his mind and then all of a sudden Silas starts feeling a little something moving in there and Silas starts singing too have you ever gotten to a place where you just couldn't help but sing? You know what I'm talking about? All of a sudden, man, you hear a song, and, 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 and it's, man, it's moving you, and, and you're singing right along with that song, and, and then if you, if you sing like I do, people are looking at you. 
cutting their eyes, telling you your microphone is on. I don't care. I'm going to keep on singing because if you'd been where I'd been and he'd done for you what he did for me, you'd sing too. I'm going to keep on singing. I'm going to keep on shouting because God is good. And so they sing. And as they're singing, God heard it. He inclined his ear. What, what's, what's that I hear going on down there? Are, are those boys singing? Are, are, is that Paul and Silas that just got whipped? They've been beat. Are, are they singing praise to me? And when he heard that praise coming up to the throne of heaven, you know what he did? He said, man, I like that song. And he just started clapping his hands and stomping his feet. And next thing you know, there's an earthquake in that prison. And bars are flying open and chains are falling off. And all of a sudden, everybody that had been bound is now set free because somebody decided to keep singing. Don't give up your song. Don't throw away your tune. Don't abandon your joy because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Keep singing. Man, they sang and it changed everything. Keep singing, honey. Keep singing. It, it, it changed everything. Everybody say, sing. You know what? You don't have to go out if you don't want to. I just, I, I think that's wonderful because... What's that baby doing? That baby's singing. What do you mean that ba That baby is singing. That baby doesn't care who's around, doesn't care who's watching, doesn't care that Pastor Rick is up there preaching. She could care less than I'm up here preaching. She's singing. Why? Because she wants an answer. There's something going on in her life and she needs a response to, so she doesn't care where she's at, what's going on, what's happening around. She is going to, oh, God, help us to become like children so that we learn how to sing out. Instead of, oh, well, wait, shh, shh, shh. We got, for all the visitors today, we're usually not like this. It's usually a lot worse. <laughs> Singing. People don't come to church because they're looking for a social event. People come to church because they want to find a God that's bigger than their problem. A God that's bigger. I, I'm not interested. Man, I, 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 you know, when I was, I, I'm not going to throw off on churches, so I won't tell you the names of the churches. But, man, I went to churches that I thought should have been buried a long time ago. I mean, I went in, and there I felt nothing, nothing. And I thought that's what church was. I happened in a place one night, and I felt something. And I felt it while they were singing. And I didn't know what to do with what I felt. But I knew what I felt was real. My first inclination was to run. I'm telling you the truth. I was, I, I'm going to run. Problem was, my brother had felt it too. And when I looked to Paul to say, let's get out of here, Paul was already wrapped up in the song. 
Paul was over in the pew going, you laugh if you want to. You know what that does to somebody that's never been around that before? I looked at my brother, what happened? I couldn't understand. I couldn't explain that. I didn't know anything about God. I didn't know anything about the presence of the Lord. All I see is my brother. And I'm thinking, what am I going to do? And, and I got up and I thought, I, 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 got a, I, I got up really to get out. But I thought, I can't leave my brother in there. And so I, I thought, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to the front, you know, because there were people, they were giving an altar call. And I thought, I'm going to go to the front. And when I started to go to the front, two guys got up and started following me. You remember those days? <laughs> I, I wasn't raised in church. I didn't know if that was the SWAT team or what it was, man. They were following me up to that altar, and I'm thinking, what's going on? And the only thing that kept me from bolting and running was the fact that I felt something I'd never felt in my life, and I couldn't explain it away. I knew there was a reality to what was happening in my heart, and that night I found that reality was in Christ Jesus, and it changed me. So keep on singing. Keep on singing. When we sing, things happen. Look at Psalms chapter 9, and verse 9. David makes a statement. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. And those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Listen to what he says. Sing praises to the Lord who dwells in Zion. Declare his deeds among the people. The book of Psalms, the majority written by David, are it's songs about encounters that David had and God set him free from. In the 137th chapter of Psalms, it said, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down and we wept. We hung our harps in the willow when we remembered Zion. When you hang your harp in the willow, you've surrendered to your enemy because you've given up your song. And God doesn't want you to stop singing. He wants you to keep singing. And so what God does is say, get your harp out of that willow. And things may not be too good right now, but you need to sing about how it's getting ready to get better. David's got one psalm when he says, my enemy camped around me. Hell had gotten hold of me. But by the time he's done with that song, he's saying, Lord, he's saying, come down upon my enemy suddenly. What's he saying? He's saying, God's getting ready to turn this thing around. I may not be where I want to be, but I'm not where I used to be. And God is going to rescue. Turn it around. Keep singing. You remember that show that used to come on, Name That Tune? Wave your hand if you remember that. For those of you that don't, Google it. Name That Tune was a show. I, I, you know, it's like I, I, I quit watching TV like in the 80s or 90s. You know what I'm talking about? The, everything had changed on television. But they used to have this song, and it would say, I can name that tune in seven notes. Oh, I can name that tune in five notes. And they would go back and forth, and some of them say, I can name that tune in one note. And, so, and then the, the opponent would say, name that tune. And sometimes those people go, ding, ding. They'd sit there and get this glossed over look. 
Could I hear it again? Ding! But there were some, as soon as it hit, they came out with a song. See, when you got a song in your heart, <laughs> can't nobody shut it down. When you got a song in your heart, it don't take much to get it out and get you singing. When you got, my, my, my granddaughter, come up here a minute, babe, can I borrow you? Pretend that Debbie's my granddaughter. So, so my granddaughter, she'll, she'll come in to the house, and a lot of times I'll, I'll grab hold of her, and I'll go, and this was like back when she was like two years old, and I'd get her, and I'd go, I'm singing in the rain, just singing in the rain. What a glorious feeling. I'm happy again. <laughs> you better go sit down. You're bigger than she is. <laughs> no, I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm just, you know, I can swing her around and not have to worry. <laughs> so, that wasn't a bad, look, quit getting me in trouble, y'all. <laughs> so, Vivian, they sent me a video of her, and this is, you know, I, I'd done this with her for a while, and she's at the house by herself, and she's got an umbrella up, and she's two years old at the time, and she's going, I'm singing in the rain, just sing. and and there's a smile on her face, and there's a song in her heart because someone put it there. Hear me. God put a song in you. And God wants to extract it out of you. But the devil wants you to shut up and be quiet. How many of you like it when somebody looks at you and says, shut up? What, what, what was that? <laughs> what, what did you say? I'm a preacher but I live in a fleshly body. <laughs> what, what did you say to me? <laughs> See, we don't like it when somebody's telling us and trying to stifle us, but why is it that we let it happen time after time after time again when something happens and we just abandon our song and we start holding our head down and dragging our feet. What we need to do is recognize who it is that's trying to steal our song and say, now wait a minute, you're not getting my song. You're not taking that from me. I'm going to hold on to it. I'm going to keep on singing. Everybody say sing. La 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 la. La 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 la. La la. La la la. See, some of you enjoying it, some of you looking at me like I fell off the wagon. What's your point? My point is that when there's a song in you, it doesn't take a lot to get it out of you. All it takes is just somebody nudging you. What if God placed you here for such a time as this? What if God said, I'm going to use you to revive a song that's in them? I'm going to use you to bring to life what the devil has tried to stifle. I want you to begin to sing. Everybody say, sing. In the book of 2 Chronicles, 20th chapter, Jehoshaphat is the king of Judah. There are three armies that have gathered together, Moab, Ammon, and Mount Seir. And they're going to come in and attack him 
and try and throw him out of the land. And these, these armies so far outnumber him that he doesn't know what to do. He, he knows that he can't naturally defeat them. And so this is what, this is what he says. I, I want to read this because this is powerful to me. This is a prayer that Jehoshaphat says starting in verse 6 of the 20th chapter. O Lord God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You were powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. O our God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people Israel arrived? And did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? Your people settled here and built this temple to honor your name. They said, whenever we are faced with any calamity such as war, plague, or famine, we can come to stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored, and we can cry out to you to save us, and you will hear us and rescue us. And now see what the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir are doing. You would not let our ancestors invade those nations when Israel left Egypt, so they went around them and did not destroy them. Now see how they reward us, for they have come to throw us out of your land, which you gave us as an inheritance. Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We were powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. Everybody say help. It's a transparent, heartfelt prayer. It's a king that has stepped off his throne, that is not hiding behind a mask of royalty, but he has stood before the people and become very transparent and said, God, we can't defeat them, but we know you can. Will you help us? He begins to cry out to God in a very humble fashion. There's no air about him. He's not sitting on the throne. He has stepped down from the throne to cry out to God. When you really need an answer, you'll quit putting on airs. When you really need an answer, you won't care what anybody thinks or what anybody says. You won't try and keep up appearances. You will fall on your face before God and say, God, I've got to have you. I, I can't do this. I can't navigate this, but I know you can. And so God answers them. All of a sudden, they, they pray this prayer. And as they're standing there, the Spirit of the Lord hits a guy, and the guy begins to speak out for the Lord. And he says, he tells him, he says, look, you, you, don't, you, don't, don't, don't you weep, don't you worry, don't you fret. You're not going to have to fight in this battle. This battle belongs to me, but you are going to have to show up. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, don't anybody get excited. I said, you are going to have to show up. <laughs> Sunday morning. Do I have to go down? Do I have to go to church again? It's conversation between husband and wife. Do I have to wake up, honey? You got to get ready and go to church. Wake up. You got to get ready and go to church. He said to her, you give me one good reason why I ought to go down there to that church. Why, why, why should I go down there? And she said, because you're the pastor. Wake up. 
See, if it's not here, it doesn't matter what's coming out of here. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know, and I, I, don't, I don't know how I could make it any plainer to you since I've been here and I've communicated to you that I don't walk on water, that I put my pants on the same way everybody else does, that I have to struggle like everybody else has to struggle. But I found somebody that'll sh keep me through the struggle, that'll lift me up if I'll just keep singing, if I'll keep believing and trusting God. I'm not here to try and put on some air before you. I'm not here and try to act like I'm holier than everybody else. I'm here letting you know that there's a God that rescued me out of a pit that I was in. And if he rescued me, he's going to rescue you. The Bible said that if God be for us, who, my friend, can be against us? Look at him and say, keep on singing. And so they go to the battle. They're told you have to go to the battle. And as they're told to go to battle, I need some singers. Run up here, Jasmine. You got your shoes off? Debbie, just come up here real quick. Okay, yeah, go back there. I couldn't keep them in line in the last service. So, so this is what happens. But Jehoshaphat shows up to the battle the next day, and the Bible said that he, he meets with them and he speaks with them, and then he starts positioning them for war. Everybody say for war. war. And so what he does is he takes the singers... And he brings them, i got to find out what your song was. Hang on. He, they, they, they're to sing, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. And so he positions them, right? He positions them in front of the army. Everybody say in front. The army gets behind them. I mean, does that seem a little strange to you? That he's got the worshipers? in front of the army, but maybe he'd learned something from David. Maybe he recognized something, that it's when you begin to sing that the battle's won. It's when you begin to worship that things change. It's not by might nor yet by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It's, it's not about your ability. Uh, it's about your willingness to get up in your prison uh, and begin to sing anyway. Uh, it's about your willingness to get up in your circumstance and begin to sing praises to God. Go ahead. Now, while that's going on, come here, Rick. No, no, you sit down. You sit down. Xavier, let me borrow you over here. Alex, come up here. Okay, if you, I want you to walk down there like you're the enemy and you're going to take them out. Okay, that's far enough. Come back, come back like you're going to get them. Hold it. Now, okay, now while they're singing, God enjoys that. He does. It's just I'm not God. <laughs> so they're, they're, they're singing and they're going through all that. And the enemy's coming in. The Bible said that as they began to sing praise, go ahead, but a little lower. Praise the Lord. Thank you. So they're singing. The enemy's coming, and the Bible said as the enemy come, when they sang, that he sent ambushments against them. So what, he, what happens is God comes in and rescues them and takes out the enemy. Okay, give him a hand, would you? 
Thank you. That worked out a lot better in this service than it did in the last one. I grabbed somebody that had rocks in their pockets, man. I, I thought about it. And I thought, why, why is God so specific? Why does God make sure that we understood what happened? He could have just as easily said that they began to sing and the enemies turned against themselves. He doesn't say that. He lets you know that your song caused him to ambush the enemy. <laughs> he lets us know that when you're facing a force that is bigger and stronger than you are, you're not facing it alone. And he's telling you, if you'll just learn how to keep on singing, I, I'm going to show up in your midnight hour. I, I'm going to intervene. I'm going to ambush the enemy. I, I'll take out who's been trying to take out you. I, I'm going to turn it around if you'll trust me. I, I'm going to turn it around if you'll let me. Would you stand with me today? Keep on singing. I really wish I could sing in tune. See, when I sing, I enjoy it. I just wish you could. <laughs> but it won't keep me from singing. So every once in a while, I'll feel a song coming on. song that may not mean much to you, but it takes me to a time where I was surrounded by the enemy, <laughs> and he rescued me. Songs like, Jesus, use me. Lord, please don't refuse me. Surely there's a work that I can do and even though it's humble Lord help my will to crumble though the cost be great I'll work for you that takes me back to an old church that had folding metal chairs and linoleum on the floor. And I was 15 years old. And had a mop bucket and a rag mop in my hand. Mopping the floor of that church and singing that song. <laughs> Thinking in my mind, I don't have anything to offer God. but willing to give him what I had. I couldn't see the future, but he knew the future. And when I sang, he started lifting me up and changing things for me. 1700s. There was a young man, his name was William Cooper. 
Bob's mother died when he was six years old and he was devastated. She died giving birth to his brother. He wrestled. He went to school and didn't do well, went to another school and did better, but he just wrestled. Felt such a loss in his life. He ended up becoming a, an attorney. He went to be interviewed, and as he was preparing for the interview to go in, he, he, he became so confused, so agitated. He had a nervous breakdown. Pastor and his wife reached out and got him out of an institution and brought him to their home. They introduced William to a man by the name of John Newton. John knew something about the grace of God. For those of you that don't know, he wrote the song about the grace of God. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, saved a wretch like me. Once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. John knew that William had been a, a poet. He, he was recognized as a poet and one of the premier poets of that day. But he was locked up on the inside. John took him and began to mentor him and encouraged him to help him write some hymns. They were known as the only hymns. And as William sat down and began to put pen to paper, he came up with a hymn. A hymn, if you guys have got the words to that, please put it up. A hymn that goes like this. Have you got the words to it? Are you ready? They're going to put them up to help you all, but they're going to start singing now. There is a with blood that flows from Emmanuel's veins. Sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. Sing it now. Lose all. when he had experienced the breakdown and he struggled with it throughout his life, he lost his, he, he, he got a speech impediment. He, he couldn't, it became a lisp and he struggled and he, he couldn't speak freely. But the last verse of that song, William looked to a day when he knew that nothing would hold him any longer. And this is what he said. 
The fifth verse says, when this poor, lisping, stammering tongue lies silent in the grave, then in a nobler, sweeter song, I'll sing thy power to save. I may struggle in this life, I may have a stammering lip, I may have a lisping tongue, but there's coming a day when I'm going to be free, when I'm going to declare the goodness of God. But you know what? I just decided I don't have to wait till I get to the other side to be free. We can be free right here, right now, if we'll just keep singing. Somebody say it with me, keep singing. Sing that first verse again, would you do it? Sing it one more time, sing that first verse again. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Sing it. Everybody join in and sing it. Come on, team. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners blush beneath that flood lose all. Everybody sing it. Lose all their guilty stains. Lose all their guilty stains. And sinners blush beneath the flood. Lose all their guilty stains. Just raise your hands and love me. Father, we praise you. We praise you. I want to leave you with this today. You have to keep singing. Don't be afraid to sing. Don't be afraid to praise him. Don't be afraid to speak out his goodness. Don't be afraid to declare his glory. This guy's name, Ray, he was, he, he I, I'm trying to remember his name. He, he had a sickness pastor to church he had a, he, he shook and stuttered and you remember who I'm talking about Alan brother Oggs Alan Oggs right Alan Oggs had a do you remember what he had it was MS or something or muscular just something had happened to him and and he couldn't control his his hands and he would shake and he went and this happened to him early on in life and and when he because of his handicap they they told him and said we're going to send you to any college you want to go to and it's going to be a free ride and he told him he wanted to go to PBI I know you don't know what that is that's Pentecostal Bible Institute <laughs> And they looked at him, and man, that guidance counselor's mouth dropped open and looked at him and said, are you kidding? He said, out of all the things that you could do, why in the world would you want to be a preacher? And he said, he, and, and he said well, well, matter of fact, the guy looked at him and said, what's PBI? And, and Alan looked at him and said, PBI, you don't know what PBI is? And boy, he put on his big thing. And he, Alan went to the, the, went to the college, became a preacher, ended up being a pastor struggled all the way through he knew what it was to be humiliated he was traveling and preaching and pastor of a church called him up took his wife and said tonight folks we're going to take up an offering for sister Oggs because she's such a special lady 
look what she's got to put up with. <laughs> yeah, that's what he said. He was made to feel like he didn't count and he didn't matter. He went on to become a pastor of a church. He had a heart attack, had to go in and they were wheeling him in. And he said, stop, I want to talk to my wife. And they kept pushing him. He said, I want to talk to my wife. And they kept pushing him. And there was a big old boy from his church that grabbed hold of that cart and stopped. And he said, the pastor wants to talk to his wife. And he looked up at her and he said, honey, you make me a promise. Don't you let them stick something in my vein that's going to take the preacher away from me. Don't you let them do it. Promise me. Promise me. And he went through the surgery. He was in his room and was recovering. And he, he sent everybody out of the room. And he was in there by himself. And he started in on a message. He said, I needed to know if it was still in here. He said, I, I, I said, there, there was a shepherd boy by the name of David. And a giant came out to face him. And he went down to a rippling brook. And he said, when I said rippling brook, he said, I felt the ripple. <laughs> he said, and I knew, I knew it was still there. And so he just kept on singing, kept on preaching, kept on believing. No matter what came his way, no matter what he faced, no matter what obstacle, he just kept on. Don't let the devil have your song. Don't let him steal your message. Don't let him rob you. You just stand up and shout it from the housetop that my God is able. If you can't shout it out and get it clear, then you just stammer it out. You lisp it out. You get it out and let the devil know that I am a winner. I'm not defeated. David Wilkerson stood in the streets of New York facing down a gang member by the name of Nicky Cruz. He was there talking about Jesus and Nicky walked up to him, whipped out a switchblade and looked at him and said, Preacher, I'll cut you. David Wilkerson looked at Nicky and said, Nicky, you cut me into a thousand pieces and every piece is going to cry out, Jesus loves you. <laughs> it changed that gang member's life. <laughs> Turned him around. The song, the witness, the word that God has put in you is powerful enough not just to lift you up. It's powerful enough to lift those up around you. So just keep on singing. If you're in here today and you say, Pastor, I, 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 I want to keep on singing. I, I, want to, I, I just need, I want to stir up the gift <laughs> that's inside me today. I want you to come real quick. I'm only going to hold for a moment. You know whether you want to or not. By the time I get to three, if you're not here, I'm going to dismiss. One, two, all right. You know, sometimes we struggle when we feel like we can't do what we used to do.
I had a moment like that in first service. I grabbed hold of a guy and started to throw him over my shoulder. The man felt something go in my back, and I thought, what's going on? And I'm thinking, are you resisting me? Are you? Made me want to knock him out and just make him fall over. And I, 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 I couldn't get him up, and I'm thinking, man, I used to, I picked guys up that were bigger than I was, walked up ladders with him preaching the gospel to illustrate a message. And all of a sudden, I had a moment, and I thought, God, is something happening to me? Lord encouraged me. He said, no, just pick smaller people. <laughs> Don't ever give up. Don't ever stop. Just keep on singing. Just stretch your hands to heaven. As they sing this song, I want to pray with you today that God is going to ignite the fire in your heart, that you're going to find strength and determination, and your witness is going to be a witness to others. Lift up your voice and sing for joy. Clap your hands, make a joyful noise. Blow your trumpets and shout. Oh, yes. Praise Him for the victory. The weapons we use are not bombs and guns. Worship is the way the battle is won. This is the way that we fight. Praise Him for the victory. Lift up your voice and sing for joy. Clap your hands, make a joyful noise. Blow your trumpets and shout. Praise Him for the victory. The weapons we use are not bombs and guns. Worship is the way the battle is won. This is the way that we fight. Praise it for the victory. Silas started singing it didn't just set them free it set everybody free around them you want your family free keep singing <laughs> you want your friends free keep singing stir up the gift that's in you some of us need we're out of practice a little bit we may have to go home and go me 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 you 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 whatever it is don't let the devil have your song. God bless you. We love you. Everybody shout, Jesus! Jesus.